I need that bed. Why? Because I need it. Why? Because if someone were to break in here in the middle of the night wanting to murder us, they would attack this bed first. So I need this bed. Good afternoon, but that's not right. Um, welcome. Hello. Welcome. To, yes. Hello. Welcome to the very first Reverend Rachel Rachel podcast in which we are going to go through the entirety of Schitt's Creek, two episodes at a time. As Rachel, you know the show very well. I know the show. Not at all. Not at all. Well, I mean, I, I kind of know the cultural impact, you know, okay, we, you know, in a weird way. And and everybody's yes. been telling me to watch things forever, including you. Um, and like, basically, I'm sorry, everyone that's I... what I, I just tell people to watch <laughs> things, including my congregation. Well, and that's, so. and, and that's great. And I'm really bad about watching TV. And I think my husband and I are at a point right now where we're just paralyzed, where there's so many things that we are that we've started and are behind on that unless someone like really gets us going. We just wind up watching the same YouTube videos over and over again. Or like, I don't know, let's rewatch Dragon Ball Z for the fifth time because it's comforting. Like unless your colleague says, hey, let's start a podcast and talk about Shit's Creek. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like Should we uh should we introduce ourselves to the listening masses who are no doubt hearing us right now? Yes, definitely. Um I am Reverend Rachel Harrison of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Um originally from Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh, I was just going to say, originally, I've, I've been ordained a year, uh, just over a year, uh, originally from Toledo, Ohio, went to seminary in Seminary of the Southwest in Austin, Texas, Episcopal, the Episcopal Seminary of the Southwest in Austin, Texas. Ooh. I am the Reverend Rachel Kessler at Harcourt Parish in Gambier, Ohio, and the chaplain at Kenyon College, also in Gambier, Ohio. Uh, I have been ordained... I don't even know how been, how long I've been ordained at this point. Nice. That's good. Uh, I was I was ordained in 2011, so almost going on 10 years. May 1st. Wow. That'll be my 10-year uh, diaconal ordination anniversary. Um, so that's exciting. And I am a fake Episcopalian because oh. I was confirmed and ordained in the Anglican Church of Canada in the Diocese of Toronto. Um, so I will be offering the Canadian perspective on Schitt's Creek. <laughs> finest of canadian content which i only i didn't realize is a true like canadian show like i knew a lot of canadians were involved i guess no it's legitimately a canadian show that's fantastic i, I think it. if I, i'm trying to remember where i found this out either it's on there it, netflix has a documentary that aired after the final episode of Shit's creek mm-hmm. where they talk about it i'm trying to remember if it's on that or some other interview where i think dan levy was in la like specific so like there were LA actors auditioned for these but it was like looking for Canadians in LA oh that's awesome to be in the show so like it is a legitimately Canadian uh and you can tell like Annie Murphy who plays Alexis is right like her Canadianness comes through <laughs> I feel like a lot and then um there's a character that comes on later who is just like you are the epitome of like a white southern Ontario dude and i say that with all the love and affection in my heart. And I'm really glad that you can speak to that. (laughs) It's what I'm here for. I bring the people what they want. Exactly. Exactly. So how, how has your week been in the, let's, let's just, are we doing this as a way to, uh, 
uh, hide from the implosion of our democracy? Um, I, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that hurts. Um, just to give you an idea of like how I watched the episodes, I took my um, tablet, stuck it on because of the kickstand. It, it doesn't sound as crazy as it is. I was able to jam it on our um, elliptical. Okay. And and it's not, oh my goodness, it's not an elliptical. I'm losing it. It's an exercise bike. And I just like pedaled through it just to be like, I have to be so perfectly engaged and like worn out because I like in order to relax, it's like, I have to be both like physically exhausted and because it's been. So if anyone is coming to this, if anyone is coming to this episode and like is, you know, seeing this months or weeks later, uh, we are filming. We are recording this on Tuesday, January twelfth. So yes. six days after the in, a, attempted insurgency in the Capitol building. So if you're if you're watching this from the future, hello, great. or listening to this from the future, hello. I hope, I hope it's democracy better. still exists. That yeah. would be great. I emerged from spiritual direction to opening the door, and my husband being like, "Hey, there's a coup happening." <laughs> You've been gone for like two hours and I didn't want to interrupt, you know, because spiritual direction is, you know, private, private thing. And yeah, it's, it's been crazy. It's been crazy to preach. Um, Mm -hmm. It has made um, so many things look and feel different. And yeah. And also just, just plain exhausting, just really difficult to relax. Um, Yeah. Which I think you can also say about the whole pandemic, right. Is that, Um, I, I really, I think like so many people started this being like, yeah, I'm gonna, speaking of TV, I'm going to catch up on all those things that I, I never thought I had time for. Um, and instead my mind is just wandering constantly and, um, I'm eating poorly, like, like on, on the day of the, the coup, um, I just cooked a lot of things was really yeah. bizarre. I just propped up my my um, tablet and was obsessively re- like watching the Washington Post live coverage and like I made these really elaborate like French style omelets and with this is bizarre with Szechuan style potatoes and roasted Brussels sprouts and that it sounds was, amazing. It actually was really good and but it was a lot and my husband's like, hey, what's going on? It's like I just. I cannot focus like I need to be moving I I can't it's the only way for me to absorb this news is to also be um steaming potatoes at the same time and I respect that should we uh should we retreat from reality into the world of alternate reality southern Ontario yeah Schitt's Um, Creek can I say that the first episode is a biblical reference the first episode is a biblical reference. So shall we? All right. So for the for the listening audience, this is our first first time doing this. Um, so bear with us as we kind of figure out our, our format and our vibe and our mm-hmm. rhythm. But we will begin this. So the first episode, for those who don't know at the top of their head, is Our Cup Runneth Over, a biblical yes. reference indeed. And as the synopsis states on Netflix, after their business manager loots their family fortune, the Rose family relocates to the town of Schitt's Creek, which they once bought as a joke. So, Rachel, my colleague yes. Rachel, uh, this is your first introduction to the world of Schitt's Creek. So what are your, this is, you're new to this. What's yeah. your first thoughts, reactions? 
Um, my first thought, and, and to be fair, like people have been trying to get me to watch this show since I think about its third season. So I was definitely prepared for the vibe um, and, and had definitely been warned that season one, that this show is a slow burn. Um, and I actually, it was really interesting because I, I was ready for that. Like I was very ready for it to be a slow burn, um, but it's amazing. And I really admire the restraint that's shown in these first two episodes in terms of say more about that. What do you mean by restraint? Uh, like for example, with, with Moira, we find out that she was on mm. some kind of terrible, like nighttime soap. Um, it's just kind of dropped in there, you know, like it's right. not, it's not like you, you, you kind of expect in a show like this, there's the pilot where you see, you know, the instigating action of, um, I don't know what the Canadian IRS is, but the Canadian <laughs> revenue, that was going to be one of my CanCon moments. It's Canada Re- revenue, Canada. Perfect. And so when she, when the guy comes to the door and they're like immigration, no revenue, uh, that's what you would call it in Canada. You wouldn't say IRS and you also awesome. wouldn't say like ICE or Homeland security uh-huh. or whatever for, you would just say immig- because offices in Canada are just what they are. That's um, amazing. I love it. So that's, one no of my, that's one of my little Canadian moments for you. Oh, I love it. Well, and, and, and like point being, you would kind of expect the, you know, the first episode being kind of um, like just dropping you into this world and, and not really, I mean, obviously you're, you're able to draw conclusions about who the characters are based on their, their shallowness and the reactions to the things happening around them. But you kind of expect there to be like a flashback or, you know, maybe some, you know, they, they, the show doesn't show you any like news coverage of this, mm. you know, to see what this fall of grace was, who these people are. Um, you're just dropped into where they're at. And that's really interesting. Um, and that I didn't expect. Cause with the thing that I kept hearing from people is the first season is hard because, um, these characters are truly genuinely horrible people. Um, and that, and that that is really difficult that you have to, um, in order for them to be redeemed, they have to be truly horrible. And the show doesn't shy away from that. Um, but I didn't expect the slow burn. I loved it. I actually mm. really appreciated it. It was really great. Well, and I think that is what's good about the first season, right? As much as as much as what is great in the later seasons of the show doesn't come through, the performances are so solid. And right. even though these people are terrible, the performances are so grounded. And this kind of slow burn only works if the actors really know who the characters are. Like, it's okay that I don't necessarily know everything about them, but the cast very much needs to. Uh, And and that was definitely coming across, um, you know, in the episode, in the episodes. And, and I really, I really appreciate that. Cause you could, you could point to just about every character of like, okay, what's their deal? What's their motives? And um, you kind of expect that sort of sitcom moment of, you know, the curtain getting pulled back and it never quite happens. Um, And that was really, that was really interesting. Um, And also it's interesting too. They don't, I haven't seen that much of the town yet. Like, Mm. I don't know how much of the the town is going to become a character. Uh, And that's interesting. Wait and see, my friend. Wait (sighs) and see. I love it. Well, and I guess that when I was first watching this show, so this is one of, uh, there's a tendency that my husband and I have where he'll start watching a show and I'll like half sleep through it. <laughs> and then at some point I'll wake up and realize that I'm super into it. 
and make him then go back and watch it from the beginning. And I get like 10 times more into it than he ever was because he Love just does it. not have the same. I'm, I have a slightly obsessive personality and he just doesn't. And so that's very much happened with with Schitt's Creek. And as we were watching the first season, I was like, do these people grow? Do the, why is the internet telling me that this is such right. a heartwarming show? And at that point, he hadn't seen, I think he was maybe in the second season. He was like, well, you know, they don't, it's not like they grow or change. They just develop genuine mm. relationships with people. Um, and I think, you know, that can be extended to, it's about their relationship to the town. And, and the town definitely, Schitt's Creek does become a character that is manifested in the people of Schitt's Creek that the Rose family come to know and, and form relationships with in very real ways. And I think the characters, I think it's more true than, than Lehman was letting on that the characters mm. do grow. And what I find, you know, you're talking about how grounded the people, how grounded the characters are and that the actors have to know who the characters are in order for this to work. And I think right. how that plays out is that the characters, the characters grow but they don't fundamentally change. Oh, okay. You know, I like they that. become, it's not like they become wholly different people, but they become the best version of themselves. What's true about them in episode mm. one is still true about them in, at the end of season six. Oh, that's so but, good to know. But they're like the best versions of the people they are. And I think that is part of what makes the show grounded, right? And what makes yeah. their growth believable as opposed to these wild redemption stories of of people that become somehow wholly different than they are and that's what i was gonna say like as a longtime fan of you know anime um mm. to, to keep dipping back into that you know the redemption arc is at this point a major trope you know the the enemy who's who's friends with the heroes by the end but a lot of times that character winds up just becoming completely uninteresting because they're no longer right. themselves, you know, and it's not necessarily because the redemption arc isn't earned, but, it, but it's like, you know, they, they suddenly, they suddenly cease to be interesting. Um, an yeah. example of it, I thought done pretty well was in um, Buffy with uh, Faith. Mm. Um, yes. It's one of the ones I always go back to where, you know, there's legitimate grappling and, and not suddenly becoming, it, it can go one of two ways. Either the character becomes perfect or the character is in this constantly annoying push and pull where everybody constantly acts like, they're still bad when you as the audience know full well that they're always going to come through at the 11th hour. And that's really boring. I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's part of what I'm intrigued by, you know, like, well, like, and to kind of play on this, great. well, to play on what the redemption arc is and, and the biblical reference at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, that this, that this show starts with my favorite line in the pilot is when they're talking to the, whoever the guy is from the revenue office, who's going through their assets and right. saying that, you know, the one asset they have left is Shit's Creek and it may just be your your saving grace. And I think, you know, I don't know how much I, I'm probably putting more on this than Dan Levy and Eugene Levy were when they were writing it, but um, you know, they are the town is their saving grace. Mm -hmm. And it's grace I, I go back to the grace doesn't transform nature, grace lifts nature up. Ah. That their relationship with the town will make them the best version of themselves, and that by through, through the course of the show, as you see the acceptance that they receive from the people of the town, you see their capacity to accept themselves and be able to offer love and grace in return. And I, I like seeing that play out through the oh, course of the show. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Well, and, and, and that was something that I was thinking about too, with the, the biblical reference, you know, it can, obviously it can be read sarcastically, but it can also be read as this is the beginning of a journey. Um, mm-hmm. you know, our cup floweth over, um, and they don't realize it yet. Right. Love it. What they actually have. Um, so do you have, were there, was there a high point? And we're not going to do a sort of play by play of the entire episode. Cause we're trying to go through two a week, but was there like a high point and a low point for you in the episode? Um, high point. Oh, I'm trying to think over the two episodes, man. The well, I was going to sort of figure we would do this one first and then we would take a minute to talk about the second one awesome. itself. Awesome. Um, so the first, oh man, the first episode I watch them like back to back, so I'm hoping they're not just blurring in my mind. By the way, they're free with commercials on Amazon, so that was oh, pretty nice. That's good to know. The commercials are not overly intrusive, um, like the way it is on Hulu, for example. Um, so yeah, I I really loved the scene in the restaurant where just everything about it, everything about it, and and as someone who um, obviously I don't know Canada, but as a um, lifelong Midwesterner besides the the brief time in Texas. Um, it was so recognizable, like small town diner vibe and jostling in the, the like, uncom- you know, the, the absurdly large menus and the uncomfortable booth. Like there were so many just yes. little sight gags going on, you know, just, just like not how, just, just how they both literally, they literally did not fit in any way in that space and it was just so subtle and so perfect and I loved it. And of course the bickering was, was delightful. Um, you know, I just, I loved it. The only thing that could have made it better is if we'd actually seen the food. I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, Um, as someone who thinks too much about food. You must know that Dan Levy is Eugene Levy's son. Yes, I do. I do. You do know that, uh, Sarah Levy who plays Twyla is Eugene Levy's daughter. I did not know that. Oh, that's perfect. It's amazing. I didn't really see that's that makes that whole scene like just play back in my mind even better. I just yeah, I loved everything about it. I just I loved it. It was um just really pitch perfect in terms of the tone. And and not being comedy that was too um I don't know, for, like too obvious. Like there were a lot of really obvious jabs that they could have made and they just they didn't. They just let you know, just how, how would these characters react to this kind of a space? And it was perfect. And, and I, I loved it. And I recognized everything about it. Um, Do, was there a low point in the episode for you? A low point. I'm trying to think. There were a couple of, there, there were a couple scenes, and I think it was mostly episode two, where okay. um, it was cringy enough that I had to look away. And that's not me saying it was bad, but just like that is one of my reactions to cringe comedy. Um, yeah, my 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 thing in the first episode, it's it's always Roland, right? I mean, yes, we can, we'll, we'll have plenty of oh time to unpack Roland shit. Um, yes, over the course of many episodes, <laughs> but the one the one where he's, I mean, like Roland is terrible all the way through, but the the I need to use your bathroom moment, yes, was really bad. It um, was, and and just and just people that don't take hints, you know, it's just it's yes. like my deep so like seated social fear, and also well, and also just like again as a Midwesterner, like that Midwestern level of politeness that just makes interactions like that like the worst thing that can happen to you. Um, all of that was just really hard, and and possibly the only scene that I related to. Um, oh, yeah. it actually yeah. made me think because I'd kind of forgotten about this. But did you ever watch the show Enlightened, or were you aware of it? No, no. 
It was great. And I've heard that the second season's amazing. I got partway into the second season and there were just too many cringe moments where I could not do it, where I was physically watching the show and I would find myself turning my desk chair, like physically, <laughs> like unconsciously, like turning away from the show. And it was like, and I, and I just had like mid episode, I had to stop it and I never managed to go back. It was never that bad, but just like cringe, cringe moments can be really hard for me. Yeah. Um, and the second episode, oh my do goodness, you... there was so much. So my, before we go on to the second episode, I will say my favorite scene in this first episode is David and Alexis fighting over who gets the murder bed. Yes. You get murdered first. No, you get murdered first. Uh, and I think absolutely my favorite moment is when Annie Murphy plays the, like, okay, so what's going to happen if, if you're just going to, like, let me bleed out if someone comes in here to murder us? Uh, she just plays it so well, um, which is... It's just, I love, I love that scene. And Lehman and I will, will go back and forth and do that bit. You get murdered first. Oh, I love that. Um, do you have uh, an MVP for this episode? Who was your favorite player in this first episode? Honestly, Shyla. <laughs> like, that's, Shyla? That's right. Twyla? That's Twyla. Thank you, Twyla. Twyla. I'm going to have yes. to write down names. I didn't take notes and I should have. Um, I know. Well, I didn't yeah. take notes either, and I'm I'll like, maybe better. we need to do that. But yeah, um, but... guys, just stick with us. We're we're learning how to do this. Exactly, exactly, and and focusing on um, audio and all that. Um, but yeah, Twyla, I just I love that that scene was just it was so good. It was kind of expected, like you kind of expect that moment, right? But her enthusiasm was perfect, and um, just just perfect cap you know, to, to that scene and just watching it play out and just did not disappoint. Loved it. I think for me, it will always be Stevie. Mm. Oh, just, just the, just the, the, like the, the way that she engages with these people and the, no, this is a motel. <laughs> we don't do sweets. Uh, she's fantastic. I kept thinking of Aubrey Plaza, but this sounds terrible. Kind oh, of better. And I'm not saying I dislike Aubrey Plaza. I don't want people like, to yeah. go after me. There was me. definitely but that like, level of energy, yes. It, but but it was it was understated in a way that I find a little more believable. You know, like like that problem in TV sometimes of people being yeah. a little too clever. You know, like yes. everybody's written, you know, way too clever. It it wasn't that, and that was that was fun. So do you have a rate? So we're gonna we're gonna rate this episode on a scale of one to five. You Davids. And I don't think we've really, I don't think Rachel has fully appreciated the you, no. David, uh, catchphrase of Schitt's Creek, but certainly will as we go along. So love it. What's your, what's your rating for this pilot episode before we talk about episode two? I would say a four. I would say a four. It was definitely, okay. um, I don't know. I'm going to try to be a little sparing with, with fives. Cause I think I tend to be the person, you know, with three being three, you David's yeah. being an average. Um, this is four. Um, Definitely intrigued, had um, totally ready to roll right into the next episode. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I thought it was four was what I had in mind. I think it's it's a solid, it, it lays out the premise and it's really grounded. I think the actors carry it, mm -hmm. right? The yeah. grounded performances. So, all right. Shall we talk about episode two? I think we've episode unpacked two. a whole lot of stuff kind of mm -hmm. overviewing the series and talking about the pilot, right. but just, just to touch on the second episode, The Drip. Well, episode uh, two is Johnny and Moira. Plot. Yeah, Johnny and Moira. Sorry, my Netflix is going to try to start playing it now on right. me. Let me go back. Let me go back. We're having technical difficulties. We're getting there. 
Uh, Johnny and Moira try to get on the mayor's good side so that he will give them permission to sell the town. And Alexis goes to a party to make her ex jealous. So yeah, more plot. Your first, your initial overviews as the new viewer, Rachel. Um, you know, this one definitely, as I said a moment ago, it had more plot, um, which was in the sense that after this episode, you could kind of see what the show is going to be. You know, the, the first episode, and obviously, as I said, this, this show yeah. has had a big cultural um, uh, impact. So I'm, I'm very aware of, um, it, you know, that the, the, they stay in the town or whatever. But one of the things I did wonder after the first episode is, is this show going to be essentially plotless? Um, or or is, is it just going to be about mm. people bumping against each other? Which is not a problem necessarily you know mm-hmm. um a lot of shows i really love are like that where there isn't necessarily a ton of forward um plot momentum um but this episode maybe i'm wrong but it, it seemed to line out this idea of like okay now their plan is going to be because they have permission to sell which you know just because uh you've put a price on something doesn't mean you can sell it um yes that that you know the the forward momentum is going to be okay now we need to make this town better so that we can sell it it's a fixer upper um (laughs) well certainly yeah i think yeah yeah the Um, the, what it means to sell the town is going to be a question that drives now i will say this this one some of the cringe comedy um got me uh i i have misphonia like people chewing just just oh kills me so this episode was was really hard um and as i said i was watching on my tablet and it was basically like four feet from my face. So, um, yeah. So there was definitely some times where I was starting to turn a little bit, um, like hands digging around in food. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my goodness. Can't do it. Can't do it. Um, I, and I also, um, this is so small, but an episode high might be partly because again, as a Midwester, I can Midwesterner, I can perfectly relate. Um, trying to put a Ritz cracker against a cheese ball and having it just crumble horribly. I have been there. It is embarrassing. And I loved it. It was so subtle and so small and just like, (laughs) such a detail. Yeah. Like such a good detail and and like something I could truly relate to, um, in, uh, you know, someone who's had a lot of cheese balls during the holidays over the course of my life. (laughs) I think my favorite in this episode is the highlight of this episode for me is the introduction of Ray. Mm. Um, and as you know, you are, well, I don't know if you are a Gilmore girls fan or just your husband is a Gilmore girls fan. If the Gilmore so girls exists, exists in your household. Uh, Ray is very much the Kirk of Schitt's Creek as you mm. will come to discover. They're like, what's, what's a, we need, what's a job someone needs. All right. Turns out it's Ray's <laughs> side business. So I appreciate that about, Love it. About Ray as the real estate agent in this episode. Oh, gosh. It was so cringy that, like, when she comments on his skin tone, I was like, oh, oh I know. gosh. Yes. Oh, yeah. goodness. Like, Mike, like, just the perfect, like. And his just, and the beat that the actor oh. takes in, like, in, in, like, they give it a beat, mm-hmm. which just that in and of itself just felt so real. Yeah, and just like he's been here before, you know. This yeah, isn't exactly. like this is not a shocking development to him that these people are yeah. racist, you know, and yes. and um, that that's how, what they're going to reduce him to. But yeah, he uh, yeah, like just the the joy that he brought. Um, I mean, the actor to the role, but also the um, yes, you know, 
he was so, so he will ready. definitely be a recurring character. Oh, good. Going through. Um, and uh, I think I think I'm with you. It, the, the episode doesn't get much worse than Roland digging around in the cheese pot. Oh, at all. Oh, um, gosh. Mm. And it's just I can't. I I'm, can't I'm feeling ill thinking about it. Like, which is just yeah. And it's I just like, it's, that's point that it's not actually funny. It's so bad that it's not actually funny. And I will say one of the weak points. I I think the show as the show progresses and as the show matures, I think it struggles to to figure out how to deal with Roland. And I think he gets moments. I do think Roland, even Roland, gets moments as the show goes along. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it struggles with that's that That's character. interesting that you say that because I had wondered about that because it was like of all the, of all the people I've met thus far, if he were to, yeah. um, as I've seen in other, you know, shows that, yeah. that have a kind of, if this makes sense, like a correction, if he were to just kind of fade away, I wouldn't miss him. Yeah. Necessarily. And I don't know that he, I mean, he doesn't fade away. I mean, he's, he stays a major player, but I, I think the show struggles with how to deal with him. And I think the show, I think this first season has a meaner edge. Mm, sure. Just, like, and I, I think you see that in the party, like the party that they go to where it right. is a bunch of townies just being drunk. And there's a, there's a kind of ugliness to it. Um, and I think there's different ways you can take it. Like as the show changes, do they actually change the way they're writing the town? Do, do, do the writers change their conception of what Shit's mm. Creek is? Or is it a matter of the Rose family seeing the town differently? that softens it a bit but i'm glad that you brought that up because that was one of the things that i took away i mean obviously we don't know what stevie's deal is quite yet and she's great i mean the 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 deadpan sarcasm like i just i love it but is she trying to get him like how drunk is she trying to get him like what's going on in that scene um where where she's having him you know chug beer i think she's trying to make him do something that's really uncomfortable and okay. sort of playing that's the way I t- is that she wasn't actually trying to get him drunk but that she was trying to to like poke him into a situation that was clearly uncomfortable for him. yeah and th- and that's interesting because just you know especially as somebody who's you know n- new to these characters and i did spend a lot of episode two thinking like okay or or like part of you know what i'm what i'm taking away in these early episodes is like okay what what is everyone's deal um mm you know, with her, that was, she in some ways had the biggest question mark for me at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is that like, was that a little nefarious? I don't know. Um, I yeah. don't want it to be, uh, but, but yeah, it was, um, it was, it was fun though. I was glad he went to the party. I remember thinking <laughs> that I was like, Please, do you, like, do you have an, M- who's your MVP for this episode? Oh, that's, it's gotta be Moira, man. That's slap. <laughs> that slap was just so good. Like that scene built so perfectly, you know, just, just the, the bizarre tension is mildly creepy. Um, yeah. Just everything about it. It's not even mildly creepy. It was creepy. And it was just, yeah, it was creepy. so good or maybe cringy. I don't know. It was, just, it was so good to, to build to that. And, uh, and it was also in the back of my mind the whole time is like, they're doing all this, but this is so obviously not going to work. <laughs> Like yeah. in the sense of selling this town is, is oh, certainly yeah. not going to solve anything. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. I also desperately want to know. I think I'm going to, I got to give it to Annie Murphy in the party. Just the way Annie Murphy like approaches the whole party thing and the mm. way she just plays it with Stevie as like, they're going to be two girls going out on the town together. Yeah. And that is so not who Stevie is. And that is so not what the party is, but Annie, like, 
she just plays it. Yeah. So again, she, she, it's an absurd situation that she's playing so seriously. Right. And, and and I love. Well, and and I always love when, when you meet a character in something who, she literally only has one lens with which to see the world, you know, and, and it's, it's certainly like an empathy problem, but in this case, it's just, you know, I know what a party is. And and it's and I know the world that I live in, and I'm not prepared to have my reality that I know changed based on where I am. Right, and which is different from David. Like David walks in and is immediately like, "Ew, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, this is not this is not my kind of party. This is not the kind of gatherings that I attend." But you know, right to her, a party is a party, and and it must be the same everywhere. Uh, which yeah. was fascinating and and very telling about both of their characters. Um, yes. and, and where they're going to go. And, and that was, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching her, um, both somehow simultaneously fail and succeed, um, as she, as she navigates that. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I will say this, like I, I, having watched these first two episodes and, and that is the weird thing about coming to a show after it is finished and there's been so much hype and everybody, you know, like including my parents have watched the show except me. Um, it's amazing. Uh, that so many people told me that the first season and and you hear this a lot about shows, like you just need to get through the first season. You just need to get through it. You know, I, there was never a moment where I thought, Oh no, if it weren't for, you know, doing this podcast with Rachel, I wouldn't get through it. Right. Um, I never thought that. So that was good. And, and, um, not like a pleasant surprise. Exactly. I don't think it's that the first season is bad, right? You've heard me talk about Farscape and my, undying love of Farscape and there are some horrifically just bad episodes that even now going back and rewatching, I'm like I'll get halfway through and I'm just like I can't do this to myself right. um, but I don't think it's that it's bad it's just that it doesn't when I was first watching I started watching it when the show was maybe in its fifth season mm. so not too long ago and the um, you know the internet was just telling me that this was a show that made them laugh and cry at the same right. time and it was the most heartwarming thing and it was just like this transcendent experience and i was just like i don't understand <laughs> so i don't think it's that it's but but the episodes aren't right. bad they're funny the performances are great the characters are grounded but it's just you watch it and you're like why is the internet losing its mind over this show right so well and it's I and know, I, that was I've my ex- experience i don't know yeah. Well, and I've experienced this before, too. Like, we, we were just talking about it yesterday, but Breaking Bad, the first season, it's not mm. bad by any means, but it's a different show. Like, it is a fundamentally yeah. different show. Um, and that's fine. And I, and if you're watching it, I wouldn't necessarily tell you not to watch the first season, but I would yeah. also say keep in mind that there's a literal episode where it's like, oh, everything changed. You know, this is this right. is a different tone. This is a different perspective, essentially. Um and so, yeah, but it was just really interesting because I was, that was one of the things that sort of caused me to hesitate on this show is that I hear this mm. so often about things, not just the show, but just, you know, the beginning's the hardest part, just get through it. And that's <laughs> exhausting right now in yes. particular. So mm-hmm. then it's like, well, I'll watch this YouTube video for the 80th time. It's fine. <laughs> like, I don't, so I don't what's your, that. what's your rating on this second episode? I, you know, I would, I would, are we doing halves? We can do halves, sure. Okay, because I kind of want to do four and a half because, like I said, I want to be sparingly with the five. But this episode, far more so than the first one, um, in some ways I felt like it dangled some mysteries in front of me in the sense of, like, you know, Ooh. what do these characters deal? Finding out about Moira having been an actress. Like, the, I honestly didn't see that coming. I, I expected her to be sort of like Ooh. a socialite, you know, 
type. Right. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean she isn't, but still it was, that was really, that was really intriguing. Um, there were also just a lot of little intriguing things in that episode, like, um, David having a journal, um, which could be mm. nothing, but I mean, they're clearly teasing that he actually does have an inner life uh, that might not be apparent. I um, think hold on to that. I think hold on to that because I, I, we should come back to that. I think awesome. that's very integral to the character of David and not, maybe not necessarily pertaining to the journal per se, right. but I think there's a lot to unpack in David's inner life. Love that I would it. like to talk about going oh, forward. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and so I really did. The, the the second episode, more so than the first episode, and they're short episodes. I mean, and that's, yeah. and that's worth talking about too. Um, even with watching it with commercials, each episode was 35 minutes long. Yeah. Um, they, uh, in the, the second episode, teased me with, with a few more mysteries than, than the first did um, in the sense that after the first episode, it could have just been... Um, if this makes sense, like just, just characters that are essentially um, stereotypes and parodies, you know, it, it could have just been like, Oh, here's a, you know, tired Paris Hilton parody. Here's a tired. Um, and, and they right. definitely tease things about the characters um, that had me way more intrigued um, than the first yeah. episode. And I really, I really, and you haven't that. even scratched the surface of Alexis <sighs> as you go, like her backstory. Go, there are people on the internet trying to like piece together to this day, her backstory with all the things that get dropped Ooh. through the course of the show. So it's oh, fantastic. see, I love that. I love that. That's actually really good to know that there isn't like a um, like a definitive flashback episode. Not that that's always a bad no. thing, but part of what I've enjoyed about the show thus far is that it doesn't seem like the kind of show that feels a need to over-explain. Well, it, it's lived. The characters are lived, right? One of the things I, I think I heard is that Dan and Eugene Levy like sat down before they even wrote the pilot, they wrote a whole bat, like they wrote the biographies of all of these characters. Mm, so it. they're lived and real and it informs the way they play them, mm-hmm. but they don't, yeah, they don't have to go back and, and do flashbacks. Well, and, and right. And that, for you to understand who they are. And that makes so much sense to me having, you know, what we were saying earlier that it's very obvious that the actors clearly know who these people are. Yes. Um, and, and to go back to, and unfortunately I'm referring to a show you haven't seen, but first season of Breaking Bad, you can I, kind I'm of tell. familiar that, with the phenomenon, so. Well, but, but you can, you can tell that they're not necessarily sure, um, not necessarily mm. the end game, but for example, who's right. And that's one of the things that the show does that's brilliant is that there's this like betrayal in Walt's past and you actually get to see both sides and it's never actually clear who's right. And it's really brilliant. Um, And, and, but in the first season you can kind of see that not everything is totally clear, like who, who's a hero, who's a villain. Yeah. And it, and it becomes really interesting as the show, as the show plays out, but it does make it kind of hard in that first season because it's like, you know, you sometimes wonder, do they know where it's going? Turns out they did, and it was great. But um, in this show, I actually definitely got a better sense of like, oh, everybody knows more than I do, and that's okay. That's, that's well, and I want to cool. I want to single out like Annie Murphy in particular, and I'm so glad that she did win an Emmy. Like when they were doing all the Emmy hype, and everyone right. figured that Eugene uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara would win Emmys, and Dan Levy won the Emmy. And I'm so glad she was kind of like the unknown in this, right? And I feel like she. Um, also, she was like about to quit acting and apparently like her apartment had a fire before she oh, got gosh. this audition. Like her life was in shambles and this was like her last audition before quitting acting. So, I mean, like there's just a whole story there. Um, but I feel like she takes a character you said who could just be a socialite Paris Hilton parody and and makes 
her so real and the nuances that Annie Murphy puts into Alexis throughout the whole show is just, it's phenomenal. I love her performance. Yeah. Yeah. Thus far, thus far, I really appreciated it. And, um, also it Um, sounds weird, but the actors fit into the costumes. Yes. The costuming is really, well, the costuming um, is a whole other perfect, like it's a whole other conversation. And like Dan Levy, the, the, like one of the fascinating things is like, these are actual pieces of fashion that like he finds on eBay and finds online. So there's, there's one costume. So the characters, the actors had to be so careful in their costumes because it wasn't like these were built costumes that they had backups of. There were like one piece unique items. Um, So it's a whole, there's just a whole lot of levels built into the show. I'm going back to ratings. I I find it interesting that you rated it so high because I rate, I sort of had a lower ranking in mind of like a three, 3.5, maybe because I know what's coming and I'm like Mm. comparing it against what's, what's ahead. And, and the, the fact that so much of this episode relied on so much of the cringe Mm. is, uh, yeah, that was hard. Kind of gets to me, but anyway, but with this, like um, I said, this episode teased me with enough yes. intrigue that it didn't like, honestly, the slap saved the dinner scenes for me because, <laughs> oh, I mean, really, because I was just struggling so hard, like to even look at the screen. I will um, also say we didn't really give Jocelyn a shout out. Jocelyn gets yeah. introduced in this episode and she's, she's a, she's a powerhouse too. So yes, yes. She I is, love Jocelyn. She's fantastic. Um, I also loved um, just their house, like everything about yes. it. The the yeah. um, the nameplate out front, like everything about it is just just pitch perfect, and and I loved it. Um, but yeah, very very cringy, and that was tough. But again, I left the episode being like, okay, I want to watch more. You know, I I would have if if I um, if I could have, I I would have just like watched another episode. Um, I don't want to have next week. Stay tuned for next week. Everybody out there in podcast land. I was going to do, we were talking about doing a CanCon watch. Uh, I think the only thing I have to note is the revenue Canada bit there at the beginning, the immigration versus revenue and how Canadians refer to their offices. Um, That's all. That's all I really have this episode. But uh, aside from Annie Murphy's accent that likes to make its way through. Um, the show can't really decide if it's set in Ontario or not. It's it's sort okay, of placeless. That was my question. It's not as bad as I don't know if you ever watched Orphan Black. Orphan Black was a show that was like clearly set in Toronto that would never actually admit that it was in Toronto. That's another um, one of those shows I watched like six episodes of, and then was like, yeah. no, I'm gonna keep going with it. I swear. <laughs> but so this is this is sort of placeless, but there are there are definitely Canadianisms that sneak through. So I'll try to we'll try to keep a lookout for those as we go through um and i feel like we've touched on we kind of in the first season in the first episode we touched on like the the moral and religious themes in schitt's creek a show about redemption and unconditional love and that redemption takes time and it's not a straight Mm -hmm. line and no and it's not about like unbelievably changing yourself right right well and, and, and forgiveness someone can forgive you but that still means that there's work to be done yeah exactly that's that's a relevant theme for the world today my friend yeah it is heck yeah it is but you know it's it's true it's not a you know forgiveness is not a get out of jail free card no um um 
but so let's we'll we'll give it a go next time and uh yeah. if you listen to this thanks for listening to us and we'll try to um hopefully we'll we'll get a little bit more comfortable with our format as we go through you Absolutely. can find us i'll plug our social media Thank so you. that will rachel's husband not it. get mad at me uh the revs rachel at twitter.com or anchor.fm backslash the revs rachel basically we're on anchor as the revs rachel for now and i think soon we will be up on more podcast feeds but that's where we are is the plan yeah yeah i'm really glad we have him doing the work and that he's he's, we're just we're just here he's our manager um and yeah it's it's really really good i have he'll be proud of me i've saved like six backup files excellent thing because i've been really paranoid about audio loss so worst case scenario i saved within the last five minutes so well enjoy the rest of your day rachel enjoy the rest of your day i am uh doing some really boring paperwork love Um, it that's that's the work of the church man Sometimes it is boring I mean, paperwork. You know, sometimes it is. I still I, we can talk another time about parochial reports that that's, I'm not done yet. That's the thing I need to work on. Although that's actually not what I'm doing today. Uh, that was my plan for today, but you know how it goes. It's not always. Nothing is is exactly. ever a straight line, um, and it's it's very exciting. But we do have, yeah, just good things good things happening, and I'm glad we did this. And I also need to go eat lunch, which I have not done today. Um, I need to do that as well, but. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everybody. Yes. Protect, protect democracy. And wear masks. And um, and wear masks. And wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wear masks. Don't go outside. It's bad out there anyway. At least right now. All right. I don't know, down the future. It's also cold. So. See you later. See you later. I am filled with Christ's love.